0: friends welcome to the professional book nerds podcast presented by overdrive this is joe hi hello today i have a really exciting episode for you So reading takes many different shapes for all of us. It's not just about the number of books per week or per month or per year. It's about the enjoyment we find in taking those moments for ourselves. Reading or listening to a book is one of my forms of self-care. And just like we have our favorite comfort shows or movies or songs, we also have our favorite comfort books, titles we return to when we're feeling a certain type of way, in a mood, or just need a slice of home. Before we dive into our episode, if you want to get a hold of us professional book nerds, you can find us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at ProBookNerds, on our website, professionalbooknerds.com, or you can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Send me some of your favorite books to reread, and I would love to shout them out on our Instagram story. So send those titles my way, uh, and I can't wait to see them. Thank you all. And with that, it's on to the episode. Welcome everyone to the Professional Book Nerds podcast. You already know from the intro that this is Joe. Today we're taking our favorite books to reread, whether it's a story we want to relive or when we just need a slice of comfort. Joining me today is a member of our outreach services team here at Overdrive, so if you're one of our library or teacher friends listening, check out resources.overdrive.com for amazing free resources for your library. Not only is she a member of our marketing department, she's a friend of the pod, and of course, my dear friend, Christina, is here. Hello!
1: Hello, hi! I'm back!
0: (laughs) Welcome back!
1: Thank you, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you. You did great, you're killing it.
0: <laughs> Thank you for that. I need all of the words of affirmation I can get. I'll never I'll never turn them down.
1: <laughs> well, you're killing it and I'm so excited to join you on a Friday afternoon and talk about books. I haven't got to do this in a long time. So
0: I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad that we get to take this time together. And what a great way to wind down on a Friday for us recording yes, yes. and talk about some of our favorite books to reread.
1: And I feel like I have to specify before I get into my books, when we say comfort, <laughs> some of my books, I feel like people listening are going to be like, "Um, it's <laughs> I, I have very specific moods when it comes to a reread. So I'll explain that. But like some of my books are more darker, a little maybe edgier than um, it's just I, I, I like to be in a certain mood during certain times of the year. So that's why. So comfort for me may not look like the same sort of comfort for you, but whatever your poison is, we support it here at Pro Book Nerds. Read whatever you want.
0: Absolutely. And that is a super important caveat to give because yeah, not all of mine are, here's a happy little story to put a smile on your face. We're just talking about books we love to reread. And there is an element of comfort to seeing a friend you haven't seen in a while. And yeah. I think rereading books is kind of the same. So yes, even, even when no we get those expect. spooky ones- exactly You know what to
1: expect and yeah and sometimes it's just I enjoy the story and how it's told and what mood it puts me in and even if it's sad like sometimes I just want to be sad you know I will mm-hmm. I, I am someone who will listen to what I call my sad playlist I have a sad playlist on Spotify that I listen to because I'm just like I'm gonna be in this feeling and I'm gonna have a whole mood board about it so my books are kind of similar <laughs> you That's know okay
0: before we dive into our books What are some of the factors that make you return to a book?
1: Um, Definitely feeling how it made me feel like I'm actually, I'm a, and I'll talk about this. I'm a big scene rereader. Like there's certain, I feel like everyone has like their favorite literary quote, their favorite, like um, their favorite romance, their favorite first kiss and all of that good stuff. So for me, it's the feeling. Mm -hmm. So I return to things when I want to feel happier. I return to things when I want to feel somber. I return to things because I'm just like in a rut. Like I, I often reread books when I, I'm in a rut of reading. Mm-hmm. You know, you go through like, and we've all been there. Like I actually just had this happen last year towards the end of the year. I felt like I picked up like four or five books and no discredit to any of these authors. I just couldn't get into it. And these were some Absolutely. books that people had recommended to me, people I trusted. I just like, I can't get into this. And I think I was just in the wrong place mental space to really start a new book. So I ended up rereading a book, but I sometimes do that because it like jumpstarts my reading again.
0: I think that's so helpful for everyone to remember that, right? We can fall into ruts in many different places in our lives and reading ruts can be the most frustrating because for those of us who are sitting here, like I'm a reader, I am a book nerd and I want to be reading more, but my stack to read is growing and every time I pick one up, it just enters a new pile. And this can be a great solution for that. To to dive into something that hit you in the right spot before and return to that, it is definitely a special power. And I hope that this episode encourages people to reread some of their favorites. If you're not like Christina and I and already do some rereading, um, I know I didn't tell you I was going to interview you, but I'm going to keep asking you questions. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so Perfect. you meant- you mentioned sometimes it's scenes. Do you just sometimes reread portions of a book as opposed mm-hmm. to the whole thing?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, absolutely. I, I I do. I I'm also a writer, and like, so for me, reading mm-hmm. helps me be a better writer. So, depending on what I'm working on, whether it's for work or for my own personal fun, I I sometimes want to capture a moment better, and like so many authors do things so well, like I can think about certain scenes in books to make myself cry. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that I need that often, not like I'm sitting here being like, I got to cry to get out of this. Like I'm an adult woman. Like (laughs) I don't typically need to cry on cue, but, um, this, I think it's just, like I said, It's I love when I reread a book and I discover something new as well. So if I leave a book, that's like a thriller or kind of a complex trilogy or something, like I'll go back and reread it simply because I know I miss things. I'm a very fast reader. So I do sometimes miss things because I I'm impatient. So I'm like, get to the scene, get to the scene. So there's definitely benefit from someone like me rereading. Cause you, you know, you miss it the first time around.
0: Definitely. Um,
1: I love the build. I love the build of a good story. So I love just, I, my husband will always laugh at me because I rewatch movies that have like very significant gotcha endings. So <laughs> once you watch it and you know, um, I'm going to talk about, um, what's the movie with brad pitt and morgan freeman about the seven deadly sins is that called seven
0: yes okay that was out
1: in the 90s so i hope it's okay that i'm talking about this so spoiler alert i'm about to spoil a movie that's been out for over 20 years but um so in the movie brad pitt figures out who the killer is right and then what's in the box it's his his wife i have rewatched that movie so many times Even though once you see it once, you know, the big gotcha, but I don't know. I feel like it's like you want to, you want to know and see what happens. And same thing with like lucky number 11. If you guys have not seen that, it's a great movie. There's a definite gotcha ending. I have seen that like seven times.
0: I think that's yeah another great point I definitely feel seen there there are so many moments where I'm like yeah I'm gonna rewatch this thriller movie another time even though I've seen it Uh, she gets out in the end she survives she is the final girl like I'm still going to go back to it because either it was the people I watched it with the first time or the way it made me feel and it's yeah I, I want all of our readers today to give yourself that little bit of love that like if you can rewatch a TV show, you can rewatch there's a movie. Nothing wrong. You can re-read a there's book. nothing
1: wrong with that. It's okay if you, I mean, I've rewatched Buffy like 40 times now.
0: Oh, I can't tell you the number of times I've rewatched Charmed. Uh, yeah. Like <laughs> to put it's myself right. in it's the right. same, in the you know, same it's CW just insanity. Bracket.
1: It's just insanity. You just, you just <laughs> keep doing the same thing, expecting different results. So yeah, I think it's there's there's just something to be said about knowing what you love and being fine with it.
0: Definitely. Well, great. Um, one more question. I promise I'll let you get into your books in just a second. Do you track the books you read?
1: I used to. I mm. used to be really meticulous about it in Goodreads. Okay. Um, and then I got off social media like completely one year. I don't know why I just decided that that was like what I was going to do. And I got off every single social media that existed, including Goodreads, which is silly because that was probably one of the best ones and just never went back. So I actually now use Libby so much because it just keeps track of my reading history. In fact, when we sure. were, when we were trying to figure out what books I was going to do today, I like went back and I was like, have I reread any of these? So the answer was yes-ish. I used to do a way. I used to be someone who like poured themselves into their Goodread reviews. Totally. And um, haven't really stepped back into that. So maybe maybe this will inspire me.
0: If it makes you feel better, I don't know if I've ever used Goodreads Beyond to find some like solid descriptions of titles. I I do track everything I read, but I have had the same journal since it's a a big old journal uh, since I was in middle school that basically I just, I write down the title, the author and the year that I finished it. And I can just flip back through these paper pages and be like, when I was 14, I was going through something.
1: <laughs> That's so cute. No, I should. Um, I, I, no, I don't. And I, I, I feel like I get like all these, like, I get all this like motivation to do things like that. And then I yes. just never, I had journals as a kid and I, I actually have a journal now as like a way to like memory keep, yeah. you know, cause I have, I have a little boy and I like want to remember stuff and I am terrible about remembering to do that. So sorry, Sawyer. Um, <laughs> if your memory journal isn't super updated beyond year one.
0: Oops. oops i mean hey that's why i had to immediately make it as low stakes as possible and that it is just those three criteria because the person i got the idea from would like write a description write what they thought would truly put all their feelings together and they're probably through 50 of the same journals that i'm still using one of because <laughs> it's just one line but i know, do get really over. stressed
1: I do get really stressed out when people ask me for book recommendations because I do take that very seriously. So I like, like if you were like on the street, like, hey, Christina, what book would you recommend? I would like have to like pause and be like, okay, what do you like? What do you, what do you not like? Because I like a lot of weird books too. So if you're like someone I don't know that well, I can't just like straight out the gate recommend a book that's going to give you intel into my very flawed brain. Like I have to really (laughs) think about what I'm like recommending
0: you gotta oh. you gotta keep some things for yourself right? yeah
1: I gotta make sure people don't think I'm like insane right off the bat so
0: fair <laughs> well I guess I'll let you get us started tell me okay. about your first book
1: well it's the lovely bones by Alice Sebold, um <laughs> which okay you know your typical comfort reread about the um murder of a 14 year old Um, So let me tell you why this is on here. So I read this book my senior year of high school. I was in AP English. It was our recommended read my senior year. And I was devastated. I remember going back, Mrs. Hiley, I don't know if you're you're a longtime listener of the pod, but calling you out. So we, my senior year, we come in and all of us are just collectively devastated over this book. Obviously, if you don't know the story, it is told from first person perspective of Susie Salmon, who was murdered on December 6, 1973. Um, and the good thing about this book is it's not a murder mystery. You know from the first couple pages who her murderer is, what his motivations were, the tragedy unfolds kind of after the fact, and how her death really kind of derails her entire family, and what grief does to people over time. Um, it's a great book. Alice Sebold is a wonderful storyteller. She uses very lyrical prose. I think her She knows how to get you right in your, in the, in the fields. And I read this as a 17 year old. I've read it in my twenties. I've read it in my thirties as a mother. And it's a book that feels different at each stage. I think as a 17 year old, I really kind of sort of felt kinship with Susie and how much it would like your life getting cut short, which is obviously a tragedy, no matter what, but now, in the book, the way the family splinters um, is really sad and really hard to read. Um, The parents kind of go through their own changes and the mom ultimately leaves the father. Sorry, spoiler alert for anyone who wants to read this book. And I think as a mother, I can now not even fathom because it's such a terrible tragedy. Like I don't even want to consider or fathom it, but that loss and how much it would just completely derail my life and it's like just at every stage that I've read this book I identify differently but there's one scene that makes me cry every single time um there's a a lullaby that Susie's father sings to her her sister and their brother Dudley um and it's called like frogs pollywogs something something and kisses we all know who daddy misses and there's a scene in the book that Susie sings it back to her family and I like, I'll oh. get misty, I'll get misty anytime. And I think it's like, as sad as that is, and as emotional as this book is, and obviously with the subject matter, of course it's emotional,
0: Right. but
1: she does such, no one can fathom that. We shouldn't fathom that because that's such, that's such a horrific thing that, that happens to this family that happens to Susie. But the way that Alice Sebold wrote this book mm-hmm. is profound because it's just, I, I can quote that book and it's not because I've read it so many times, but because the scenes were so well-written and so well done that they stayed that they stayed that much within me. Um, so again, it's not really a comfort reread, but it's one of the best stories, well-written stories I've ever read. So as a writer, she mm-hmm. really kind of inspires me how she crafts the scene and how she can really craft emotions, which are really hard to get right. Um, and I don't know if anyone has read Alice Sibold's uh, other works, but she wrote a book called, I believe, luckiest or lucky about her own experience being sexually assaulted and surviving and then that um, her assaulter went on to kill someone so she was prior to after her attack he actually did commit murder so it's like she channels that into this story and there's it's a very heavy story and obviously it's not for the faint of heart Mm -hmm. but it is a story that will stay with you forever. And I don't know if I'll reread it anytime soon because I don't know if I can go through that emotionally and it's winter, but <laughs> sure. um, it is a great story of a family and what grief has done to them.
0: Absolutely. And I think, I think you've beautifully described it. Uh, I, additionally, I love the the thought of considering the stage of life that you were in when you read it, when you reread it and I'll be interested to, you know, check in in 20 years when you're reading it yeah. again and hear how it hit you then. But And I think absolutely. she made
1: a wonderful choice setting it in the 70s because that's, mm-hmm. I think it lends itself to kind of working as a reread because I was not alive during the 70s. So everything they're describing isn't known to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so like if it were set in like the 2000, like 2006 was such a moment when I was 17, I'm just telling everyone right. how old I am right now. Um, but I think- <laughs> it worked because I have no frame of reference and it's a book I could read again at any point. So.
0: Yeah. Putting yourself in a different time. Ugh, what a great way to start us. And once again, I will reiterate, comfort rereads mean different things to everyone. <laughs> we have reasons to return to these books.
1: <laughs> Nobody so, check in. I promise I'm fine. I got happy ones coming. <laughs>
0: but, you know, it's okay. Some of mine are, are, are right up there with you. So it's okay. My first title is The House in the Cerulean Sea by TJ Klune. Now, this is a more recent release. And I only read this for the first time in November of last year. And I have since, yeah, I have since reread it. I want to, or listened because I am a reader, but also a listener. And I'll do a lot of my revisits with audiobooks. Um, And this is probably a book that I have listened to three times since I read it. I also remember like it's the beginning of February so I've I've put hours into this book that I don't even think I've put into some of the other ones on my list.
1: (laughs) Adding it to my TBR right now.
0: Please. uh, (laughs) I fell in love with him like I said last year when I was actually looking for books for my first episode with Jill about reading the rainbow and I you know had come across one of his newer titles and this book made me happy cry and feel things and just relate so much i am not a person who's apt to just you know sob at anything but this book had moments of happiness where i was ugly crying and still make me ugly cry as i'm like cleaning my house <laughs> listening <laughs> and my dog runs up to go what the heck is going on are you okay uh but this is the story of linus baker it is a he is a <sighs> cut that <laughs> don't <laughs> this,
1: cut it don't cut it. right
0: just leave it like that just leave, leave it like i love in. it let
1: like, have it have like human moment
0: Try that again. This is the story of Linus Baker. He is a by-the-book caseworker in the department in charge of magical youth. He is tasked with determining whether six dangerous magical children are likely to bring about the end of the world. Arthur Parnassus is the master of the orphanage. He would do anything to keep the children safe, even if it means the world will burn. And his secrets end result will come to light. The House in the Cerulean Sea is an enchanting love story masterfully told about the profound experience of discovering an unlikely family in an unexpected place and realizing the family is yours. Oh, yes. right in the
1: feels. Great description. Right. I'm in. I am in. It reminds me of a couple, like, an amalgamation of, like, a lot of books I've read. So I'm sure I'd I, love that.
0: One of the reviews I saw was that, uh, I, I believe they described it as... The Umbrella Academy meets uh, like Hogwarts.
1: That's what I was just thinking in my brain. <laughs> I was like, it's like the Umbrella Academy and Harry Potter, like have a baby.
0: It is very the Umbrella Academy in terms of its sense of humor. It's I love the Umbrella Academy. Love it. Right? Thank you, Ger- well, thank
1: you, Gerard Way, you creative mastermind.
0: Please, Gerard Way, give us more always.
1: <laughs> been lo- talk about a reread. I've been in love with that man since I was 17 and he just keeps getting better. Oh.
0: <sighs> what a a gift what a gift he is truly what a gift but so this is just it is at its core you first think is this going to be Miss Peregrine all over again he is just this worker who's clearly not living his best life but he's successful enough and he's put on the task of going to they call them orphanages but One of the quotes that from the book that sticks out to me is that they call them orphanages, but there is no intention of adoption. These are just the places that they put kids with abilities so that they can monitor them so they can control them. And eventually they'll put them out somewhere else in the world where they can go and belong if they're not a threat. But he is picked for this because he is so by the book and so devoid of emotion that they think he's the perfect one because it's a top secret location. No one knows that it exists. One of the kids on the Island is the antichrist. Like, As I, I mean, it's you it, exactly any, any place with a lot of children you're about to, you're bound to find one of them. So.
1: yeah, I love that. That is, <laughs> yeah. I love that. I'm I, that's on my TBR. You sold it.
0: Thank you. He just, he falls, he falls for these kids for the, the director. And I love seeing the representation of, of myself, of queer adults who are finding each other in the world as they exist. And it's not so manufactured. It just feels so genuine.
1: Yeah. And that sounds wonderful.
0: It sticks pretty hard. So uh <laughs> now that, now that I've like reread it so many times, it'll probably be a title. I return to like once a year or so when I'm you know when you're home but you feel homesick yeah I think this is my solution to that like when you're a way
1: to describe it like your homesick book
0: yeah you're homesick for a feeling this is my homesick book
1: yeah I love it
0: thank you what do you have for me next
1: well so my next one is like true comfort reread like a beach read it's the hating game by Sally Thorne obviously that one's having a moment it's one of the um most watched movies on Apple. Um, It's Mm -hmm. starring Lucy Hale and Austin Sewell, who's a stone-cold fox. So Lucy Hale's gorgeous as well, like very well cast. So it's the book is about Lucy Hutton and Joshua Templeman. They are two assistants to um, CEO at a publishing house. This publishing house has um, joined forces due to cuts. So it's now called Bexley and Gammon. They used to exist independently as Bexley and Gammon. Um, The Bexley people are very much your typical publishing house, kind of quirky, not to be stereotypical, but like librarian-esque. And then the Gammons are like your like suits, all black, sleek, like everything. And they are forced to share this space together, Um, this little office. And it's a true, true trope of enemies to lovers Oh, and yes. what I love about Sally Thorne's writing is none of it is super contrived. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say that this book is going to, like, intellectually challenge you. And sometimes you don't need to be intellectually challenged. Like, sometimes you just want to read a book that is truly what you signed up for. Yes. And this book delivers. I loved it. It's very funny. It's very on the nose. Um, I, I go back to the scene and... Spoiler alert, they fall in love, obviously. They fall in love, obviously, right? And (laughs) That's what makes
0: it a romance.
1: They were in it. And he was in love with her the whole time. And like, oh, just so many moments where you're like, yes. And it's like just the right amount of spicy where you don't feel like kind of like embarrassed that you're reading it. But there's just enough, you know. Um, And my favorite scene is when um, she comes to the realization, realization that she loves him. And doesn't yet know that he loves her. Um, And yes, there's this scene and he has this apartment, very masculine apartment, but for an unexplained reason, his bedroom wall is a very lovely blue. And it matches the exact shade of her eyes. And he says to her, they go through this whole spiel of like their feelings and he is making fun of her because that's the whole gist of their relationship. And he says... It made no difference. I loved you the moment I saw you. And my heart was on the floor. (sighs) Um, Just a really fun enemies to lovers love story. And it kind of stands outside the rest because it's just truly, really well done. And like I said, you know what you're getting, you know what you signed up for. There's a little bit of drama, but just enough that you're not stressed out. And it's a great story. And I actually saw the movie before I read the book. So the movie Mm. came out, I think, at the end of last year around the holidays maybe even I don't know what is time I I think so Watched the movie and I was like that was really cute enjoyed it and then I was like I'm gonna read the book and then I read the book and I was like holy smokes this is so much better and I've like reread this book now like three times (laughs) um and I keep going back to that scene because it's just a moment like I just loved how it made me feel just like when you revisit scenes in a movie like when Captain Marvel breaks through the atmosphere in Endgame I have Mm rewatched that scene like 40 times because it just gives me like so much adrenaline I love it like I'm like yes girl power (laughs) um but yeah you know it's just one of those great stories that just wraps up nicely and you feel great at the end like I recommend it if you're just in the mood for like a light but well well established book
0: I I love a book that is going to deliver exactly what you're expecting. It is the Postmates order of books. You you put the cart together. They are just bringing it to you.
1: You got what you uh, ordered. And I,
0: and I think my favorite part might be that there's just enough drama. I'm I'm a if there's a like a third act breakup, that's where I can't handle the stress or the pressure. When you have that, when it's that level of just intense drama I can I can deal with a breakup it's just usually the she found out he has a girlfriend in the city and what does all this mean you know oh. yeah
1: no you like don't need the convoluted exactly like, it's just that she is almost the the biggest enemy to the story in the book is Lucy because she just can't believe it mm-hmm. and so obviously it's really relatable when you, see, when you see your girl get what she deserves because like also Lucy's written really well and you kind of do root for her She's quirky, but not in like that annoying quirky way where it's like, I'm so quirky and cute as a button. And then like, you get over it really fast. No, she's right. she's really likable too. So it's a great, it's a great. Watch the movie too. I do now, 100% the book is better. There are scenes that didn't make it into the movie that I wish had, um, mm-hmm. but both are. Get yourself a glass of wine, sit on your couch, either one, movie or book, you're going to have a great time.
0: I am a, a big fan of TV to, or for book to screen. So we love our, we love our adaptations. So my next one for you, if you're going to take us to light and fluffy, I am going to take us to serious land. Uh, This is, this is not a light reread. This is beloved by Toni Morrison.
1: Oh, kick (laughs) in the face.
0: Yeah. So you also brought up your kind of AP English time. This was my, Senior year AP English title. I was handed beloved. And my love of Toni Morrison, of magical realism, of African American fiction, it all started there. And woo, this book really helped shape me as a reader. It also, at one point, definitely put me in a, a rough spot where I thought I always had to read serious books. Uh, thankfully, that didn't last long. <laughs> I, I remembered there was more in the world and also some of tony's other books are tony i don't know her like that no tony if you're listening from upstairs i i hope you're cool with me calling you tony but
1: i feel like she would be fine with that i feel like she would allow that
0: i i feel like she would but a lot of her works aren't all the most serious i mean there's always serious elements but they're not all this (laughs) um so like i said it's a magical realism title about Love and loss and grief and power and sacrifice. Setha is the protagonist of Beloved. She was born a slave and escaped to Ohio, but 18 years later, she is still not free. She has too many memories of Sweet Home, the beautiful farm where so many hideous things had happened. Setha's new home is haunted by the ghost of her baby who died nameless and whose tombstone is engraved with a single word, Beloved filled with bitter poetry and suspense, as taut as a rope, beloved is a towering achievement.
1: I mean, Tony. I'm gonna call her by her first name, truly, yes. like she was a force and I feel like no one, no one, can, like obviously there are so many talented authors, but like Tony had something that like, I feel like you can't recreate. No
0: anytime. one writes, no one writes the way she does. There's, no one has her voice and i have found so many beautiful titles that i feel the same feelings toward but which which is the gift that there are many that i can can compare to and just go yes you have you have the power but i appreciate so much that every book reads like hers and there is nothing like hers
1: yes i think i would put beloved on like the five books to read before you die
0: definitely I, I think it's a title that everyone should try to read it's a it's a rough read it, since yes. it, it not only in content but in uh, timing it's a time shift book of course since we're living in the real world but there's that magical element we've got haunting we've got so there's a lot to try to balance and navigate through but that is what the internet is for there are a lot of wonderful people who can help you dissect it. <laughs> Because I think everyone should get through this book.
1: I do. Um, And I think it's good. I think I read it in AP English as well. So I think it is a, it's a, it gets this like, kind of like, it's a required read, but it should be a required read. Like I just stumbled over that required read. Everyone should read it.
0: This is a book that I mean, like her style of writing haunts me and soothes me at the same time. So I reread this title just kind of every few years when I'm in need of a challenge Or kind of exactly as you described earlier, when I, when I'm in that rut, when I need to wake up, this is the book I turn to, to remind me of like, I can, I can read and love and create something like this. And I can also pick up something lighthearted and fun and enjoy it. So this is, this is kind of my reset button.
1: I agree. I think that's a great way to describe that. So I'll go. Okay. Sure. Um, to follow Beloved, <laughs> um, which is impossible. I am gonna talk about House of Leaves. I feel like I somehow bring this up on every podcast episode that I'm on, which is also hilarious because it's not, okay. avail- it's not available digitally. <laughs> so it's not <laughs> even available in our marketplace. You cannot get it on Libby or Sora, sorry, sorry readers. But the reason is because it, it should only exist as a print book. Um, it is a wild story. It is like found footage as a book, I read it every year around Halloween because it is a horror story. It is terrifying. Um, It's literally about essentially the descent into madness and you yourself start to feel mad. Um, Like I said, it's like uh, this, uh, the story itself is, it's hard to describe it because it's like a story within a story within a story. Um, And I don't wanna give away too much because it's like one of those, it's one of those things that I can't yes. say too much about because I will ruin it for the reader. But imagine, like I said, a found footage movie in story form and you become the uh, subject of the story.
0: I I love that. I have only ever heard good things about it, but I still haven't picked up a copy and read it. And after this, it's now like, I have okay, one, you I can guess borrow I'll... my
1: copy. And if <laughs> you, I I love I love this book. I love Mark, uh, Mark Daniel Luski. He's very elusive. He fits the profile of the person who would write this book. Like he's just very, he doesn't give interviews. He doesn't want it published digitally. Like he's very, very like mysterious in his own way. If you do read the book, read the footnotes. They are part of this. Sto- Every single yes. piece of text within that book is important to the story and one of the chief reasons I actually reread it is because I feel like I've reread it now probably four or five times I think and every single time I've like discovered something I do mm. have to read it in chunks because it is it really freaks me out and I don't sleep sure. well yeah. um, it scares me it scares me so much that I have to like take breaks but it's a masterpiece and I don't know anything like it truly I think it's it's more than just a story it's an experience um, and I highly recommend it if you like being scared, if you're not someone who likes being scared, then do not read this book. This book will scare you.
0: <laughs> good warning for good warning for listeners. Uh, don't pick this up if you don't want to be spooked because it yeah. will get you. But also if you want a full experience and you're okay with sleeping with the hall light on for a week, yeah. here you go.
1: <laughs> and you, you will hear like phantom noises immediately upon closing this book and you'll be like, I'm going crazy. Um, and I love that. I love that. So I reread it like a crazy person every year around Halloween.
0: I'm ready. Add to cart or I'll, <laughs> I'll be coming to yeah, you borrow yours. You can borrow mine. Perfect. So my next book, I'm, I have a series for you. And before I say anything, I have to say this is a series many of us love and call home. But with that said, before I talk about it, I have to say, I do not stand with the author or share her archaic beliefs. And just by me saying that, you should know that I'm going to take a moment to talk about Harry Potter. Yep. <laughs> uh, yep. It pay- it pains me to have to say that, but I mean, I am a, I am a child of the nineties. I read the first book, Uh, the summer going into first grade it was a shared title with my mom we read it together and I have so many memories of having the books read to me Uh, and then of course also discovering the audiobooks and Jim Dale his impeccable oh, and brilliant narrations. Yeah. Like there's, there is no one who does it quite like him. And he is the reason I come back. I come back to the audiobooks. I could not tell you the number of times I have re-listened to this series, but I wanted to break it down a little further than just the series. I wanted to, to kind of go to my most listened titles. So most listened in this order are the Deathly Hollows, The Goblet of Fire, The Order of the Phoenix. Those are the titles that I always check out the audiobook from the library and am listening to again and again. Um, the, yeah, like I said, those are the ones I listen to the most. I, I think Half Blood Prince gets thrown in there by default because it just I mean, it it's like a transition of a book anyway to just go right. from five to seven. So I I'll throw it in there, but. See, yeah. my
1: favorite is The Prisoner of Azkaban.
0: I, you know, that is a great one. I, I think, think that's it's my, my
1: favorite. I think that's my favorite of the series. And I can't tell you why right now, but it's the one I've read the most.
0: I think it's my sister's favorite. I feel like that's her her reread of the series. But I I love the action and I love the, because uh, I, I was at some point like their age as these were coming out so to be an angsty teen while reading about a teen being angsty hits in a certain way um but I do re-listen to the full series uh on occasion I split it up during the year so I find myself re-listening to I'd say probably like three through seven in the wintertime, it's that like post Thanksgiving as I'm starting to decorate the house yes, for Christmas. That's when we we, uh, we presents. We watch,
1: we watch the movies between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I think the first and the second one is like they're maybe because we're adults now, they're so young that you're like, ah, Where are your parents? Where are the teachers? Like
0: Exactly. <laughs> yeah, now like, I find it's
1: not being a little older, you're like, Okay, okay.
0: Okay. right now I find myself being like the room mom who's like who's supervising these kids how did this yeah. happen yeah um but yeah so I I definitely re-listened to like the latter half of the series in the winter and then summer is when I tend to re-listen to uh one and two and five so I kind of do like three four six seven in the winter those give me winter vibes for some reason even though the first book is a Christmas movie and the and the first movie is a Christmas movie as well (laughs) like uh, that ends up just being like oh I'm going to Hogwarts now though because this is like back to school season so that's that's kind of my my cycle of listening to them but I probably uh re-listen to at least some of the titles uh once a year Uh, every year since since they came out uh if i'm Uh, honest this is my most re-listened to title period all of all of them but the the three i mentioned at the start
1: it's up there for me um i almost failed driver's ed because of the fourth one because i literally read it in my lap during driver's ed and paid attention to nothing (laughs) that sounds right thanks harry
0: that that's that's okay um, so yeah once again i I am a lover of Harry Potter and the universe and it is a place I feel home but cannot express enough I uh, believe uh, people are people regardless of
1: mm-hmm.
0: what some authors might say so
1: and the art the art is still there but yeah yeah
0: yes so uh, Christina take us to another place
1: another place uh this one I'm traveling to 1813. Um, with Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen because that to me is you know I love a good romance that to me is the first, the one that I think I had to read this in high school or maybe I chose to I can't really remember and I remember being like I devoured it I loved it I wasn't expecting to love it because it is very very Mm -hmm. slow prose and but Mr. Darcy did it for me Elizabeth Bennett I think we all as young women uh, identify with Elizabeth Bennett because she just, she doesn't seem like the typical heroine, but she is, and she's quirky and she's funny and she's brave and she's bold for a time when that wasn't a characteristic. And um, obviously I got to throw out, I love you most ardently that I have that on a (sighs) scarf. I have that on a scarf. I think I have that. And then it's funny because like that is what gets quoted the most. And that's not even like their big, like Moment of love. That's his declaration. And she's like, forget you. I'm not interested. Um, but I just think it's, it's, when you talk about Homesick, I, I love that book and I, I love rereading it. And I skip around parts too. Now I've read worse. it so many times that I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Get to the good stuff. Get to the good stuff. And um, it's just, it's a great book. Jane Austen, I, she was ahead of her time. Love her.
0: My senior seminar in college. Uh, was Jane Austen. And I took it with one of the world's foremost Jane Austen scholars. So I, for a semester, read all of her books. And I don't know if I love Jane Austen, but I know people do. And I think now that I am so far removed from college, I think it's been six years. uh, I I feel like- I don't even
1: want to tell you how long it's been. (laughs) Let's just be honest here first. I I was 17 in 2006. You guys knew the math.
0: (laughs) Right. But I I feel like I could revisit Austin and give her a try.
1: You know, this is set in Regency, England. So if you're a Bridgerton fan, they are the Bridgerton you
0: know, likes
1: Bridgerton likes <laughs> Although like I feel like that would make Jane Austen like gasp if she knew that they were being compared to. <laughs> but uh but no, I love her. I love the movie too. Uh the Kira Knightley version. Mm-hmm. Um Obviously you talk about revisit the scene where he like, I feel like that's having like the female gaze where like she walks up onto the um, little, sh- what's it called? The horse and carriage. She walks up to the carriage and he like oh, grabs yes. her hand and helps her up and then walks away and like squeezes his fist. I remember like feeling something. I was like, this is love. And uh, yeah. So it's just a comfortable re-, re Like just, I love it.
0: It's a great one to slip back into for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I am going to back to back juvenile slash YA series for my my comfort rereads because these are probably my most earnest honest comfort titles uh and this is the penultimate peril by Lemony Snicket from a series of unfortunate events great one Right? Whole series means the absolute world to me. I forged bonds with friends that turned into lifetime, uh, lifelong ties. I devoured each book as it would come out because that's how old I am. They were still being released. And uh, the audiobooks. I, I am the audiobook spokesperson here, I believe. Uh, the audiobooks are narrated by Tim Curry.
1: I did not know that.
0: Yes, so oh I don't God. need to, okay. right. I don't need to say like a single other thing other than if you want to listen to Tim Curry, read all 13 titles, you're welcome. Yes. The I would actually yes. I would actually say unfortunately, I think the first couple were re-recorded maybe by Neil Patrick Harris because of the show to which I say whatever uh, the- I would
1: not re-record over Tim Curry for anything.
0: I I love Neil Patrick Harris. That's, that's
1: disgraceful. Yes.
0: I think it, I think it was rude and Netflix (laughs) is wrong for that and they can call me if they want. (laughs) So the penultimate peril is the second to last title as the name suggests. And this is just after everything has been happening to the Baudelaire orphans. They are coming up on the end of their journey. We know the end is near and this book, I, 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 keep saying we know the end is near because Book 13 is titled The End, and also that is how I felt as this was coming out. I know The End is near. I can't believe this series is going to be over, but this is kind of like the clip episode of the series where all of the characters we've seen in the past are returning to this hotel. There's blind justice. Like So many things are happening, and I'm not going to describe too much of it because it's it's one of those, like, if you want, you could get through this series in a long weekend. They're they're kids' books. They are short, but they are masterfully written. And if you have a young reader at home who needs just like a little, they're the little smarty pants. They need a little extra dose to what they're reading. I recommend this entire series. But so my my re-listens, I don't know what it is for me, but I seem to gravitate toward the ends. The ones I re-listen to the most are 12 and 13, The Penultimate Peril in the End. And then number eight, uh, The Hostile Hospital, but mainly that is because I want to hear Tim Curry singing the Volunteers <laughs> Fighting Disease song. So, uh, you know, this is just a nostalgia series for me. Uh, usually it's a, it's a summer. It's a summer reread if I'm going to reread it. And it's basically because that's, that's the vibe. It w- was a summer break vibe for me when I was in middle school. And it's, you know, it I still like- hits that
1: this is where our ages are showing because I think I was a little past Mm -hmm. the point of this book when it started to come out. And so I never, I've actually never read it, but I feel like it was like the answer to like the next Harry Potter series. I feel like that was like when it was really having a moment and I've never read it and I've never, I've never watched any of, I know there's been a lot of like adaptions of it and I feel like I need to. It sounds great.
0: I think you should.
1: You had had me at Tim Curry. Tim Curry. You had me at Tim Curry.
0: It's fun. It's beautiful. It's a story of three orphans. And, you know, it it just focuses on the insanity of what's happening to them. Uh, because it's, it's very much that like English style of just magical obscurity. So it has that feeling of English orphans, but it is more of the like, Edward Scissorhands suburban Gothic kind yeah. of vibe. Because it's, Massachusetts or like New England vibes so they're taking like the new out of England exactly (laughs) (laughs) we're we're in colony vibes only
1: yeah yeah uh I I'm gonna I'm gonna have to check that out because I I do feel like it sounds like it would be right up my alley so I just never did I never
0: yeah, I love to read across all age ranges because I, I want to be versed as a reader, but also I love the, like, I, I, literally, I recently read a mystery title that caught me by the name in the jacket cover. I saw it was for kids and I was just like, whatever, I'll give it five pages. And if it's just too juvenile, I'll ditch it. Um, but shout out to The Wig in the Window. It was like a great mystery title. So I, I love
1: don't... YA. YA is my dream. That is my dream. I love spending time there.
0: Yeah. Don't mind what age it's for. We're going to do it. All right, Christina, give me your next okay. one.
1: All the Birds in the Sky by Charlie Jane Anders. Um, oh. So Charlie Jane Anders is a writer for IO. They are amazing. I loved them prior to this. And I saw this book actually in an airport, just like waiting to get on a flight. And I was like, oh, I love them. Um, And it is a book that defines genres because so much happens. Um, it's about Patricia Delphine, a witch. And Gosh. Lawrence Armstead, a mad scientist. Need I say more? Hello, and it's kind I'm of here. like <laughs> it's kind of like how they and it's it's set in like a uh, near future San Francisco, and like magic exists. Um, we've made like advancements in science, so there's kind of like just like the sci-fi element, but like rooted in reality. And uh, they are two very different halves of a whole like he represents kind of the more left brain and she's like the right brain. She's a witch, magic exists. And like, they essentially, the story is them starting off as children, as childhood friends who grow apart and find their way back to one another. Oh. Amidst this chaos of like the world almost ending.
0: Okay. Uh, I, it's on my to be read list. Yeah, now.
1: it <laughs> is. Like, you you it got is, me. <laughs> I can't even tell you like it's it's a book nothing 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 exists like it because there is romance but then it's like witchcraft and like science fiction occurring and like they're trying to stop the end of the world and there's yeah. like these like nefarious characters who are kind of getting in their way and like obviously they're like ignoring their feelings for one another and like it it starts with them I think at like eight or nine, maybe 10. I can't remember. They're young and then they like mm-hmm. grow to adults. So it's like one book that like takes over the course of like 20 years. We're not talking teenagers anymore. These are like grown adults. And yes. um, it is unlike anything you ever read. Anything Charlie Ender, uh, Charlie Jane Anders does is amazing. They're wonderful. Um, I actually, when I was gathering my notes for this uh, podcast, I just found out that there is another book in the series. It's Uh-oh. called Clover and uh it's book
0: 1.5 so you just found a new treat for yourself what a um, gift
1: it's about what happened oh my gosh i just read the description it's about what happened to patricia's cat so there you go <laughs> animal lovers it's there's something for everyone um yeah so if you haven't read it like truly it's just a delight and it it's just so well done and so interesting and so different and i just can't there's nothing if you ever were like what's a book that stands on his own all the birds in the sky
0: it sounds like so much fun to have uh, like you described right brain left brain that the moment you said that i was like okay i'm hooked i'm i'm here for it
1: yeah you you will love it i, I you'll have to tell me if you read it um, I'll report
0: back <laughs>
1: yeah so uh,
0: literally no literally that one's that's probably now my next i'm pushing whatever was next back because i i need to read this now cuz it just sounds fun
1: and I said IO, it's io9.com. Charlie used to write for io9. I want to make sure I get that right. And it's like, io9 is like nerd, nerd site. Love it too, so.
0: Definitely. (laughs) So my next book is Shocker, Another Series, but this one I don't think as many people will have heard of just overall. This is Howl's Moving Castle by Diana Wynne-Jones. So this book came into my life because of my love for Studio Ghibli movies. I saw Howl's Moving Castle and was captivated. And once I found out it was a book, uh, it was all over for me. I fell in love with the book, the series and Joan's work. She has kind of the quintessential Brit fantasy style. So even though I'm I'm sure I've described it like, that's not usually what I go to. This is like a little high on the fantasy sci-fi for me, but this kind of falls right in my wheelhouse with love, magic, curses, it's a, it's yes. a great follow-up. Can't
1: confirm all of these things. <laughs> Checking all of your boxes as someone who knows you well.
0: Exactly. But so uh, Sophie has the great misfortune of being the eldest of three daughters, destined to fail miserably should she ever leave home to seek her fate. But when she unwittingly attracts the ire of the Witch of the Waste, Sophie finds herself under a horrid spell that transforms her into an old lady. Her only chance at breaking it lies in the ever-moving castle in the hills, the Wizard Howell's Castle. To untangle the enchantment, Sophie must handle the heartless Howl, strike a bargain with a fire demon, and meet the Witch of the Waste head-on. Along the way, she discovers that there's far more to Howl and herself than meets the eye. There are three books in the world of Howl, So Howl's Moving Castle, Castle in the Air, and House of Many Ways. Um, Of course, her other beloved series include The Crestals of... (sighs) The Chronicles of Crestomancy. I can't talk today. <laughs>
1: I know, that and, would have been hard for anyone to say. Don't
0: worry. <laughs> right? I'm just looking at all these C's. Uh, so <laughs> The The Chronicles of Crestomancy and the Dale Mark Quartet. I return to this book, and I would say this series a lot. Um, I'm mainly only counting Howell because I've reread him the most. Uh, but uh, this is a great, like, I have a three-day weekend coming up. I want to, to revisit some old friends. To revisit, yeah. This is the vibe.
1: This is the vibe. This is
0: the vibe. <laughs> this is the
1: vibe. Uh, okay, so my last my last book is the book I recommend most, and it's a book I've read several times. It's called *The Last Child* by John Hart. I feel like you've probably heard me talk about this one. If you haven't, then I it's a disservice to me as your friend. This is one of my favorite books of all time. Um, I wish I loved John Hart's other books, but I don't love them as much as I love this one. Um, it's the tale of Johnny Merriman. He is thirteen. Um, And the story is told completely from his perspective. And I think that's important because it captures that like cusp of childhood, um, and becoming a teenager and he's had a hard go of it. His sister, Alyssa is missing. Um, his dad has, his dad has disappeared and his mother is kind of just left behind in this chaos. And she's a very vulnerable, gentle woman who a lot of people are kind of taking advantage of. Mm -hmm. And Johnny is on a mission to try and essentially repair his home and find his sister it's a very sad story. There's a lot of, I think it's a difficult story to read as an adult because through a child's eyes, things don't look as nefarious as they are. But as an adult reader, you know what he's actually seeing a lot of the time. And I think that's intentional. Um, And there are good people in this book, just as there are very many bad people. It's, It's a very seedy story because obviously a child is missing and what that means. And he uncovers a lot of dark things Um, but he's a boy who still believes in magic and, and there is like elements of magic in this kind of like, um, I won't give too much away, but you don't know if what Johnny is telling us is what Johnny is experiencing because he is, Uh he's 13. Um, but it is just a very beautiful, heartbreaking story. Um, there is a resolution. There's actually a second book in this series told from Johnny's perspective, I believe as like a 24 year old adult. Um, oh. I liked it. I think The Last Child is perfect as a standalone. I sometimes mm. I forget that the second book is part of the universe, <laughs> to be honest with you, because I like the sure. first book so much. But um, it's it's how we as adults can fail our children. And obviously, I I, okay. I read this book several times. And I read this book before I had a child. And now I have one. And it hasn't changed the story in in in, in so many ways. But I think it is just like how much our actions affect the people around us and maybe in unforeseen ways. So I think Johnny has had to step up and be the adult in his mother's life. Um, and I just keep thinking about how like difficult that must have been for him and how low she must have been to have allowed that to happen because in the flashbacks of the before time before his sister was missing, before his dad disappeared and left the family, they had a very normal, loving home so it is it's a very heavy book but it's so very well done and John Hart does a really really good job I think capturing the imagination of a 13 year old boy on his bike Um, and so I just I can't say enough about it it is one of my most favorite books to recommend and um, I do return to it quite a bit and it's just it is sad it's heavy but there's just something about that mystery and that like magic of, of a child experiencing life
0: it sounds really powerful. And also to have an unreliable narrator for no fault of their own has just an extra layer of like,
1: yes. okay,
0: no, that, that sounds beautiful.
1: Yes, it's a, it is a beautiful story. And it's like, I'm capping these two stories of like, a child got missing and is killed and then ending it on a child got missing. I promise that I t- mean for those to be my bookends. They're just both, I think when you're talking about tragedy and sorrow, um, not that they're fun books to return to, but there is something to be said about how well-written a book must be to make you feel sorrow.
0: Absolutely, and it's a, a great place to self-reflect. All right, Christina. So my last title, I I made too long of a list, so I am going to give everyone one more, and just know that I have other titles to share in the future. My last title is going to be Freddy Player One by Ernest Cline. In the year of 2045, reality is an ugly place. The only time Wade Watts really feels alive is when he's jacked into the Oasis, a vast virtual world where most of humanity spends their days. When the eccentric creator of the Oasis dies, he leaves behind a series of fiendish puzzles based on his obsession with the pop culture of decades past. Whoever is the first to solve them will inherit his vast fortune and control the oasis itself. When Wade cracks the first clue, he is suddenly beset by rivals who will kill to take his prize. The race is on, and the only way to survive is to win. I have reread Ready Player One, and now Ready Player Two that it's out, um, I've reread Ready Player Two a little less, but uh, both of them, this is kind of just like, it's another good funk book for me. When I need something fun and light, this tends to be my return because I really love the story of of Ready Player One. The story of Ready Player One hits me in a way that I remember what fun is like, I remember what nostalgia is like, and it's another good reset for me that's a lot less serious, a lot lighter to get through. But kind of like you described earlier, when talking about Seven, uh, this is a title where you know what the twists and turns are, but every time I listen to it again, I'm still just like, ooh, yes, it's happening. So this, my last one, this is where I'll end us off. uh, And this is, uh, this is Ready Player One. Well, Christina, thank you so much for joining me today. I love getting to spend time with you and especially talk books.
1: Well, I just love you. I think you're great. I think you're doing a great job. I think this was, I will join happily anytime. Talk ha- happy books, sad books, scary books, YA books, adaptions. I got ideas, Joe. We can do this a hundred more times.
0: Well, thank you. I will hold you to that. And listeners, hope you can't wait to hear from Christine and I again in the future. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Thank you to Christina for joining us. And if you're one of our school or library friends, check out resources.overdrive.com for great ways to promote your digital collection. And once again, thank you to all of you who are planning to send me your favorite rereads so I can share them on social. Or even if you want to send it, but you want to tell me you don't want it shared, that is totally fine. I just want to know what y'all are rereading. Well, I'm going to wrap up this recording. Thank you all so much for joining us today and happy reading.
1: Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on Overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Jill Grudenwald and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit ProfessionalBookNerds.com.
0: Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book.